Welcome to the Man Cave Football Podcast. My name is Dan Casper. I'm a sports radio host with a love and dedication for sports. But my passion is football, the greatest game in the world. And that's why I created the Man Cave Football Podcast. Why call it the Man Cave, though? Because the Man Cave is a place for everyone to come together, hang out, and talk ball. There will be some banter and debate amongst friends and colleagues, analysis, predictions, commentary, interviews, and talk of football history. But also, some fun and entertaining conversations. Thank you for stopping by the Man Cave, but let's get this episode going. Cue the music. What's going on, football freaks? It is Dan Casper, and it is another episode of the Man Cave Football Podcast, getting ready for championship weekend, NFC Championship, AFC Championship, Packers versus Buccaneers, Chiefs versus Bills, Rodgers versus Brady. Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen. Oh, it's got football fans excited. It's got everybody in the football world excited and salivating about these two uh, these two games, these two matchups with a birth to the Super Bowl on the line. But, uh, yeah, we, I'm excited for it. I don't know about you guys. If you, you're not excited for these games, man, you got no pulse, right? You got no pulse. But, uh, hey, appreciate you tuning in uh, to another episode here of the man k football podcast and a quick reminder if uh if you're not subscribing to the podcast seriously what the hell are you doing subscribe to it we're available on all podcasting platforms but here's the here's the wrinkle okay so if you want the cool music you know in between segments like the nfl films music and all that stuff you gotta subscribe on spotify okay so subscribe on Spotify. You're going to be able to hear the sweet music. If you don't care about that or you don't want to go on Spotify, well, then we're available on the other stuff, on like the iTunes and and Google and all that good stuff. Okay? So just giving you forewarning there, like in case you, you see some, like if you are on Spotify and you see like two different episodes and it'll be labeled one with music, one without music. Now you know why. Okay? Now you know why. So, uh, but uh, and don't forget to rate it so make it a good rating so other football people football fans can find this podcast but as you know too uh the man cave football podcast is going two a days we're gonna do two a week try to get the second one in this week last week we weren't able to do it schedule conflicts and all that but we'll try to do it uh really quick here uh really quick here you like that really quick here before uh the championship weekend and i'm excited about the the first episode here so we're gonna be talking with chance and neil for uh we're going to be talking with Chance and Neil coming up here for our, our our Well Then segment. Spit it out, Dan. Well Then segment. And then we're going to be talking with Pro Football Hall of Famer, long-time NFL writer. Uh, has a podcast out, The Goat, Tom Brady. has written many books. Uh, one of his latest ones, Manning versus Brady, Gary Myers. He was actually on my radio show. But for anybody who missed it, I'm going to put that interview uh, in this episode of the Man Cave Football Podcast. So, that's what this one, this episode, episode one for, for this week is going to be part of our two days. Uh, episode one is going to be uh, me, Chance, and Neil for a little well then. And then you're going to hear from Gary, uh, or my conversation with Gary. But before we get to all that, let's do a little pitter-patter. Let's get at her. And that's, you know, we kind of run through a few topics to to open up things this more or on this podcast. So uh, we're starting to get some coaching hirings. Robert Sala nailed that one, like that one, solid hiring. Uh, Urban Meyer is going to Jacksonville. How about that? You know, uh, with Urban, there's a lot of talk. College coach, 
Is it going to work? Steve Spurrier didn't work. Uh, Bobby Petrino didn't work. Jimmy Johnson worked. Here's the thing. We don't know. The only the, the, the interesting part in this for me is that Urban Meyer has been out of football for a couple years, right? He's been out for, for a couple years. It's not like he's just jumping straight from the college game to uh, – uh, to, to the pro. So he's been out a little bit. But best case scenario is going to be Jimmy Johnson. Worst case scenario is going to be like Bobby Petrino, Steve Spurrier, that sort of stuff. Uh, but <laughs> Jacksonville, this has got to be like one of the most uh, exciting times in their franchise history. And this is a franchise that was just at the AFC Championship a few years ago. But you got the number one pick, which is going to be your new franchise quarterback, Trevor Lawrence. And you got a hot name in the coaching world, in the football co- coaching world, and Urban Meyer. So Lots to be excited about if you're a Jacksonville fan. We'll see if it actually uh, pans out, if it works out after that. Uh, Falcons going with Arthur Smith. Nailed that one, too. Uh, Solid hire there. Uh, And then Chargers went with Brandon Staley, the the defensive coordinator for the Rams. I was a little surprised about that. I thought thought Dabble was going to get that, the offensive coordinator for Buffalo. And maybe it was a situation of uh, they wanted to get their coach ready and, and not wait. You know, any longer in case they were going to the Super Bowl. Buffalo's still in it in the AFC Championship. I don't know. I think that's a lame excuse if it is, a, is an excuse. Uh, we've seen other situations where teams have waited and it's worked out. San Francisco, Kyle Shanahan. So, but that's not to knock Brandon or anything like that. He, he was a rising star in the football world, but still kind of surprised uh, some people. He won't have to move far. Just have to move probably at the other end of the stadium. Chargers, he's coming over from the Rams. So, and then Dan Campbell. Um, maybe the more surprising hire for a lot of people out there. Um, he's going to he's going to be the new head coach for the Detroit Lions. Now he's been a guy that has been getting head coaching interviews for the last couple of years. He was an interim head coach with the Dolphins when Joe Philbin was there and got fired. This was a few years ago, but he's been getting. It's not like this was just like out of the blue. Like oh wow, because you know you think for you think Saints where he came from. You think Pete Carmichael, you think Dennis Allen, the two coordinators over there. Dan Campbell was the assistant head coach uh, over there, and I believe he was with the tight ends groups off the top of my head because that's that's the position he played. But um, so maybe surprised to some people out there because you know he's 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 not a coordinator, he's not calling plays. But the thing is, he has been getting interviews, so obviously his his name's well respected in the NFL community in the NFL world. So, but still maybe surprising out there. Uh, so we're just waiting for the. The the uh, Eagles and the Houston Texans, two of the I would say, if we were to rank the openings, two of the least desirable at this point. We'll find out where they're going. Anywho, though, speaking of the Texans, what a what a shit show they're in right now, and what a mess they're in with their quarterback and Deshaun Watson. And, I mean, the insiders are now saying, the Schefters are all saying that. They're hearing that. Don't expect Deshaun Watson to, they're not expecting Deshaun Watson to be play, playing with the Houston Texans anymore. I mean, can you can you screw something up worse than what the Houston Texans have been doing right now? I don't know if you can. I really don't know if you can. I, I guess part of me, I'd still be a little bit surprised if they were deciding to move on from him. He's still young. You just signed him to a new contract. He's a premier quarterback. But man, oh man, it's bad. And if you wanted to really rebuild, I mean, tear everything down in that sucker. Tear it down. Well, gee, uh, you might as well move on from Deshaun Watson and and try to get back some first-round picks. You'll get a bunch for him. 
Um, I can't if, if they move on from him. I know everybody's like, oh, excited about the Jets and, and Miami as possibilities. But, you know, if you're the Texans, I have to imagine your first choice would be to not trade him within the conference. But, hey, if the Jets are going to be willing to give you three or four first round picks for that. I, I'd listen. Dolphins, would they move on from Tua? I don't know. And would the Texans want him? And that, that's the other part of this thing, too. So, and guy just finished the rookie year and i know everybody's already kind of down on tua but come on people simmer down give him a minute anywho speaking of quarterbacks uh philip rivers officially retiring sounds like drew Brees is retiring former teammates with the chargers drew Brees, first uh first ballot hall of famer lock move on here we go philip rivers interesting we're going to be talking about philip rivers with with gary myers uh, i won't tell you what he had to say and Gary's a Hall of Fame voter, so he, he, he'll he have some good insight on this. But I, I think he's a dude that's going to make the Hall of Fame. And I know that's going to be a, a topic of conversation for the next few years because he's never been to the Super Bowl, so he's never won a Super Bowl. He's got the numbers. And this is this back and forth that I that I all, always have. If, if, if football is the ultimate team sport, how much do you penalize a guy for not getting – a Super Bowl championship because if it's based off of the team that's around him and if the team's not good enough but that quarterback was good enough, why are you penalizing the quarterback? That's that's kind of what I get at. So, I don't know, but listen to the conversation with Gary. So, anywho, let's uh, let's get this going. Let's do a little well then with uh, Mr. Chance Dickman and Mr. Neil Abair. Well then, we've got uh, Chance Dickman and Neil Abair. Neil's a little excited. You can't tell by the uh, video, but by the audio, I should say. So hopped up on the coffee. Yeah, hair uh, is straight up. <laughs> Championship weekend is here, boys. Boys, Packers, Buccaneers, Chiefs, Bills. All right. Well, let, let's start it off. Just a couple, I guess, just a couple questions for you before I get uh, get your predictions and all that good stuff. Let's break down each game. So let's start off with the AFC first. I think a lot of us know it. it's going to be probably dependent on Patrick Mahomes if he plays or not in this game. Let's assume he does play, uh, just for argument's sake. Let's assume Patrick Mahomes does play. What do you think the Bills, or what do you think the Bills have to do, or do you think they have a shot to stop that flying offense of the Kansas City Chiefs? We'll start with Chance first. All right. I think offensively, they should be okay. Um, the Colts were able to – oh, geez, the Colts. The Colts didn't play the Chiefs. Who did the Chiefs play in that first one? The Titans? The uh, Browns. Chiefs had a bye, so they have the Browns. So last week was our first game. Yeah. Woo! <laughs> the reason I brought up the Colts – for the start, Bills played, for the start. Bills played the Colts. Come on, I'm doing this in my bathroom. I'm, I'm my, my <laughs> mantra's all thrown off. Uh, so the Bills play the Colts. The Bills offensively struggled a little bit against the Colts. The Colts have a pretty good defense. Probably, maybe a more complete defense than what the Chiefs uh, offer up. Uh, but as we saw with the Chiefs, even though Chad Henney wasn't amazing, honestly wasn't asked to be too amazing, it, it was crazy, though, how, how they were still able to make plays around him to secure that victory, even though it came close. And the defense ultimately was the one that stopped the Browns to to win the game, get the ball back for their offense, and, and close it out. So um, 
I think the Bills offensively should be okay. Uh, but defensively, I think anytime you play against the Chiefs, are they going to be able to, to withstand the blows from Mahomes in that offense if Mahomes does play? I don't know. There haven't been many teams that have been able to do that this year. Um, and those that, that, that have kind of limited them, Chiefs have still been able to, to pull away those games and, and to close them out and win because their defense, uh, albeit um, a sieve once in a while, can also be very timely. So uh, I, I think if the Bills can score um, up to the pace or close to the pace with the, the Chiefs, I think they have a decent enough defense that can maybe hold on and keep it close. But, man, it's going to be tough. So my prediction from last week about the – yeah, I was going mainstream with the Browns about to get clapped. I didn't get clapped necessarily. So um, it was a much closer game than we had expected. And I think looking at how close the Browns kept it, even with Patrick Mahomes in the game, I mean, that game was still, what, a two-possession game with Mahomes in the game. So it, it was a lot closer than what everyone expected. When Chad Henney came in, yeah, he didn't play – outrageously well and obviously anyone past Patrick Mahomes who Patrick Mahomes may not win the MVP this year but he will he'll have at least three or four by the time it's all said and done so um, to replace an MVP type candidate or type of player it's tough it's really hard and the Chiefs obviously they have all those weapons on offense but like you said Chance this Bills defense is pretty good I mean they they've limited a lot of good teams this year to not a lot of points and I, I really think that if Josh Allen has one of those, I would say, error-free games, this is going to come down to the wire. And if Patrick Mahomes does end up playing, um, I think the Chiefs can pull it off. But just just the mere fact that uh, Josh Allen has been playing out of his mind. I mean, having a playmaker like Stephon Diggs has, has been just an absolute game-changer for that guy. So, um, But the Bills, they're, they're a good football team. They're a complete football team. Whereas the Chiefs, yeah, they have a couple, you know, you don't want to say holes in the defense, but they're not a complete defense like the Bills are. So um, it's going to be a close matchup if Patrick Mahomes plays, I think, um, if he plays well. Well, I think if he plays in general, I think the, the Chiefs are going to pull it out. But obviously, if Chad Henney plays, it's a totally different game, totally different um, scope you got to look at as far as both teams, really, because – offensively you play it a lot differently if you're the Chiefs defensively if you're the Chiefs what do you do if Chad Henney plays I I have no idea how do you how do you stop Josh Allen how do you limit them to be on the field do you run the football more because that means the clock's going to keep going like do you limit the possessions of the Bills there are a whole lot of things that go into this game but I think it just comes down to Patrick Mahomes whether or not he plays if he's healthy Chiefs win if he's not Chiefs lose I think that's what it comes down to I think how about one, Buffalo? How about Buffalo in that game plan against the Baltimore Ravens? What was my one of my key takeaways from last week was let Josh away. Allen make, let, make. let Lamar Jackson's arm beat you, and he ran for what thirty four yards. They contained him. The weather didn't help. I mean, if the Bills can do that against a guy like Lamar, maybe they can figure out a way to do some things to attack Patrick Mahomes. I think one of the matchups that I'm I looking will say. For, oh, go ahead, Neil. Oh. <laughs> oh, sorry. But, but one, one thing I will say to, sorry, it's a little laggy on this end, but um, one thing I will say uh, as far as that situation, you take away that one throw, that one throw Lamar Jackson, that pick six when they're in the red zone in down to down or 
they're in down to goal, you know, I third and goal. I think it was, and he throws that pick six. You take that away. That game is either tied or they're down by four points. So yes, I get it. But at the end of the day, that was such a close game. So I don't, and Patrick Mahomes, we all know that he can throw the football. So are they going to win by three touchdowns because of that fact that he can run and he can throw? Yeah, he's not Lamar with his feet, but also he can throw the ball just as well as almost anybody in the league. So I'm trying to think of a, a, a good matchup to, to kind of watch in this game. And I, keep, and I know they're not going to be like one-on-one, but, you know, it's Stephon Diggs, all-pro wide receiver, Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, the other all-pros. But I wonder how much the Chiefs are going to utilize the Honey Badger uh, on Stefan Diggs. I know the Honey Badger is a safety. You know, he covers the slots and all that. But I, would, would you guys expect the Honey Badger maybe almost to be in double coverage and helping out with Stefan Diggs? Quite, I mean, they kind of match up size-wise, too. Uh, and the Honey Badger is a versatile defender back there. Is he going to be the key to trying to slow down Stefan Diggs in this game? Well, Bill's tight ends had one of the biggest drop percentages in the entire NFL this year. So when you take away or at least limit a Stephon Diggs, you're giving yourself and your team the best chance to probably win that game, right? You take him away. A guy like uh, a guy like the Honey Badger, a guy like Sorensen, getting up, checking Diggs, getting him, getting him uh, slower off the line and not giving him as much space could be huge because – you know, even though Josh Allen has best completion percentage like ever at any level, um, he's still some of his weapons were pretty unreliable outside of Stephon Diggs. So yeah, absolutely, throw playmakers at him if you can, knowing that some of the other guys have have been kind of a question mark for a lot of the year. All right, uh, let's I would go. Agree. Oh. <laughs> Thanks, Neil. First time ever. You're not the best color man in the hey, business for all nothing, the, Neil. So you know, <laughs> you want you want more analysis? I'll no. be here all day. No, no. Uh, let's move to the NFC Championship game. So, uh, Chance, I remember a few weeks ago, you, the one team you didn't want to play was was Tampa Bay. Well, here we are, NFC Championship game in Lambeau. Rogers, Brady, spot on a Super Bowl on the line. What's how are you feeling about this game? Oh, I'm nervous. I I feel like I feel like anybody should be in this situation, depending on you know and who whoever they're playing. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, it would have been nicer to see the the Saints come up and play. Yeah. Um, but I still I still hold true to what I said. I after those weeks, 13s, 14s, 15s from the Packers, and just kind of how inconsistent that offense ended up playing. And then defensively, actually defense played pretty well. Um, but those games, I think, to that to the team were a lot closer than what they wanted or probably could have been. And Rodgers and the team, you know, said that sentiment or added that sentiment. So at the time, 100%, I think when you look at how they played in week six against the Buccaneers and how well they did, and I know that is eons ago. And I don't expect that. And I don't think anybody expects the game to be like that again. Nobody expects that. Um, but there, there's something about, there's something about Brady in the playoffs with a team that he had, this could be the, the most weapons he's ever had, right? Probably running the ball, throwing the ball too. And then like get another guy on defense back. I think this is going to be an incredible matchup, but yeah, out of all the teams in the NFC, the one team that I was 
very, very much afraid of was the Buccaneers because of the weapons they have on offense, because they have that win first mentality out of Brady. And then their defense is, is getting healthier and it's better and they're very physical. <laughs> so it's going to come down to that offensive line, keeping, keeping that pressure off Rodgers. If that happens, man, I think it's going to be a fun game. And I, I think the Packers would be able to do it. I, the pack, I mean, everybody can agree, right? The Packers are playing a lot better than they were towards that, like, yeah. middle end of the season. I mean, those last two games were, were phenomenal. That Tennessee game totally was a, was a jet setter for the team the rest of the way. And, and they're, all, they're all saying this is, this is as complete as they played all season. Well, what a, what a great time to be playing your best ball against a team that is probably, you know, was the other favorite to come out of the NFC. Right. Wouldn't you have loved to seen <laughs> Drew Brees throw the football in super cold weather in Green Bay in January rather than Tom Brady do it just like, like he's been doing for the past 20 years in New England? I mean, oh, my yeah. goodness. This is going to be – this might be a matchup for, for the ages here. You have two of the best quarterbacks to ever do it. This era, I mean, you got to say they're, you know, hand-in-hand hand, two of the best. Tom Brady takes it because he has championships – Aaron Rodgers because of pure numbers and statistics. These guys, I mean, this is a matchup. NFL heaven. I mean, this is unbelievable how how great of a matchup this could be. And who knows? I mean, who knows who's going to show up on Sunday? So, you have 344? Is he almost, he's, he's mid-40s, right? So, and Aaron Rodgers is closing in on 40 he's closer to 40 than he is 30 so uh, this is going to be pretty pretty unbelievable um as far as specific matchups uh offense and i, lo I just love your mask man that's great. <laughs> my what your mask built in your mask skills anything over 35 would be yeah yep closer yep the greater than and the, yep less than the, <laughs> pretty good right so i thought about that when i was 25 and i was like oh my god i'm now closer to 30 than i am 20 and that was All right, that was a there. true, that was a true <laughs> quarter life crisis for me. And oh, Tom Brady's almost at his midlife crisis. If you think about it. So <laughs> all this I hope my really midlife to crisis my head. is as good as what Tom Brady's is right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I totally agree. But as far as specific matchups in this game, I would think um, Jair Alexander on who's he going to cover? Is it going to be? Um, Chris Godwin, or uh, sorry, yeah, uh, or is it going to be Antonio Brown? Who's he going to cover? Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see who's he, who he's on, and then who who does the the safety help? You know, who who do they? Just like you said, Chance Tom Brady has the most weapons he's ever had in his career, and he has six Super Bowl wins. I saw somebody tweet yesterday. Um, oh, it was Earl Thomas. He's like, you should have came in our division. See how tough it would have been. Oh, yeah, Earl Thomas, you're sitting at home on your couch while Tom Brady's playing in the NFC Championship in the first season he's ever played in the NFC. Back off, dude. You had your time. You had your time when you were part of the Legion of Boom. So, um, But this this is going to be a great matchup. I'm, I'm excited to see the Packers, if they can slow down this offense – I think they'll be fine. Take care of the football. What have we not seen a lot of this year? Fumbles, interceptions, um, and a lot of mistakes on the offensive side. And that's been the biggest thing about this offense this year is 
their lack of turnovers, which has been absolutely fantastic to see. As far as holding on to the football, especially coming this summer when it's going to be cold, we'll see. I think turnovers are going to be the name of the game in this one. Yeah, I agree. Matchup. Oh, go ahead, Jeff. Go ahead, go ahead. No, I was no, just going to say, I agree. Uh, I agree, like, turnovers, I think, because you look at that week six, I know you don't want to take a whole, a whole lot away from it, but, you know, two, a pick six and the other interception, they got it down to, what, within the five? Uh, yard line there when Green Bay was up 10 nothing. I think Tampa Bay is an opportunistic defense, which we saw last week, 21 points off turnovers. I think that's one of the biggest keys. And I think the other one, they've got to put more pressure on Brady than what they did in, in that first week. I mean, you, you know he's not going to be a threat to even step outside the pocket for crying out loud. So go up the middle and get after the robotic Tom Brady over there. Yeah, you, you just took the words right out of my mouth. I think, honest to God, the biggest matchup of the entire game will be the defensive line and the rushers against the Buccaneers' porous offensive line. If they have one weakness, it's that line of scrimmage. And if and you, you've literally said it. He's not going to get outside. He gets any pressure. He's either going down or he's throwing that ball away, right? Yep. Or, or, or what we've actually noticed him doing this year, not even throwing the ball away. He, I mean, technically, you could call it throwing the ball away, but throwing it to the other team. Yeah. He's forcing some more throws than he's ever forced in his entire career. For some reason, he's throwing the ball in play more than he's throwing it out of bounds. And then on top of it, he's just going down. If, if Z and Preston and Rashawn Gary and Kenny Clark can clog up that middle a little bit, force him to make quicker, faster throws because the, the Buccaneers lead the league in, in downfield passing, right? Yep. It's like them and Green Bay are like number one and two or one and three, whatever it is. He, he ain't going to make those throws if you get pressure on him. And so if the D train and then the Z train can get, can get pressure, and that, that literally could be the game changer and, and the tone setter for the entire way. I think ultimately Rodgers isn't going to let that offense flutter. And if they do, you know what he's going to do. He's going to put the ball in his hands and he's going to let it go, right? Yeah. Ultimately, it comes down. If they get pressure on Brady and he can't really do anything and that rushing game can't really do much, it could, it could be ball game, man. That, that literally could be what it comes down to is stopping, stopping that, that, um, that offensive line getting through there. Mm-hmm. All right, boys, let's, uh, let's get your, and I think, well, Oh, go ahead. Neil. One last thing that, that matchup with um, the offensive and defensive line, the, the Packers offensive line versus the, the uh, Tampa Bay defensive line. I mean, if that, that offensive line can protect like they did this past week against a pretty good rush. Um, I think the Packers are going to be, a okay, I think that'll come down to it. Turnovers and protection for Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. All right, predictions. AFC. Who are you guys going with? Chance then Neil. Yeah, and this is assuming Patrick Mahomes is playing. Yep. Okay. All right. Uh, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, uh, and then. Oh man. <laughs> I could make a lot of people really upset. Um, it wouldn't be the first time. But it ain't happening. You Packers think... are going to the Super Bowl. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so you got Chiefs Packers, Neil. Chiefs Packers, the way it should be all along. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, the, the best two teams we've been talking about since, boy, since we started – doing this this uh section of the podcast segment of the podcast we've we've talked about the packers and the chiefs and that was what a couple months ago so the fact that we're here sitting here and saying these are still the two best football teams 
in the country, in in the world. Uh, yeah, well, I'm going to go with the top two, Packers, Chiefs. Uh, Packers are going to be – it's going to be a close game, I think. The Chiefs, I think, will have a little bit um, less of a problem with the Bills than the Packers will with the Buccaneers. So uh, I'm going to go Chiefs in a blowout by at least two touchdowns and then uh, Packers in a three-point game, maybe come down to a Mason Crosby freezing cold field goal. How about that? As long as your boy J.K. can hold on to the ball and not pitch it to him, so – you know, just gotta throw that off. Oh, that was that was the play that that was the play of the game. <laughs> right, right when he did it, I go, oh my god, he threw it to Crosby. <laughs> uh, J.K. Scott, my boy. Yeah, I mean, I gotta tell you, I want to pick Buffalo, but there's something with these two games that they play because I thought they came in the playoffs as like the hottest team or one of the hottest teams, but there's something about these last two games that. You know, they, they, I don't think they're, they've been dominating like we saw at the end of the regular season, you know, getting by the Colts and then, you know, the Ravens there. If, if Lamar doesn't throw that pick six, does it change a little bit? I don't know. I want to pick Buffalo, but Patrick Mahomes is the dude, man. So I might have to go with, with the Chiefs there. Then I think Green Bay does it. I, I think we got a trio sweep right here. All Packers, Chiefs rematch of Super Bowl one. So. That's what I'm going with. Can't can't wait to watch. I can't wait to watch the Bills and the Buccaneers play just because we all the same. <laughs> oh. Damn it! <laughs> pretty uh, pretty great timing that we get uh, a legend, Mr. Gary Myers, joining us this morning. So first things first, Gary, appreciate uh, appreciate the time uh, that you're giving us this morning, and welcome. No problem. I'm happy to be with you. I know about legend, but I appreciate it. <laughs> well, uh, you you got a, a book out that I absolutely love. By the way, I've got a copy and I read it. Uh, Brady versus Manning. Uh, I love it. It's it's an awesome read. You've got a podcast out, uh, the Goat Tom Brady, and well, we know here in Wisconsin, the Green Bay Packers, Aaron Rodgers, and Tom Brady. So we've got lots to talk about with you this morning. Uh, but I want to kind of get a start on. I, I know you're a Hall of Fame voter. Uh, what do you make? I know. What do you make of this? The, the the nominees this year. I mean, obviously, I think Peyton Manning's probably an easy lock. But when you look at the modern day era nominees with, with this group, Gary, there's there's a lot of talent in this, isn't there? Yeah, we actually had our meeting yesterday and finished all our voting. Um, I can honestly say that I I don't know who got in because they didn't tell us. Um, all I can tell you that is that. Between the coaches, the one coach, the the senior candidate, and the contributor, and then the 15 modern era finalists, our phone call yesterday, our Zoom call, was eight and a half hours. So um, it it was pretty thorough. And uh, for Packer fans, I can tell you that the conversation about Leroy Butler was 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 very good. And um, we'll we'll see what happens with him. But um, I, I can, I mean, I don't even have to try to camouflage anything here i honestly don't know who mm-hmm. our final five are because they didn't tell us because david baker is the only one who knows that correct well i i think david knows and and some other people you know some of his associates associates in, in the hall of fame they know because they, they were tabulating the votes mm-hmm. we voted electronically yesterday which was actually pretty cool and it was much faster than the paper ballots we've done uh at our annual meeting when we do it in person. Um, so that that part of it went faster, but the, the actual meeting, it took forever. I mean, mm-hmm. we, in Eastern time, we started 
at 9.30, and by the time we started the discussions, it was probably 10 o'clock after David had made some opening comments. And so we finished uh, at six, around 6.15 Eastern time. So what is that, eight hours and 15 minutes or so of conversation uh, about the candidates. So um, it was a pretty long day, I'll tell you that. <laughs> I, can, I can imagine. And, you know, even going back to, to last year's class, Gary, I know with – with COVID, it kind of paused some of the ceremonies. But you know, I was thinking for for Green Bay's purposes, you know, Bobby the Hawk Dylan was was entered as part of the Centennial class. If Leroy gets in, then you got Charles Woodson. Lambeau Field might have to figure out you know three different spots on that on that facade to to add their names on there. Um. Yeah, I, I was doing one of our our uh, seniors that got in last year. I I can't even remember now because um, we. Uh, we voted on allowing not uh, inducting ten seniors that should have been inducted this past year. So I, I don't, mm-hmm. I, I really don't remember um, who they all were. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, Butler and, and Woodson certainly, um, you know, have excellent chances of getting in. Again, um, you know, how the final five came out, I don't know. I think it's always cool when there's more than one player there from. Uh, representing a city because then you really get a lot of fans that come out from that particular home, you know, fan base. So mm-hmm. uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah. And I think both, both those guys uh, will, you know, eventually get in. Um, maybe both of them get in this year. I just don't know. Do you think uh, with with the news of Philip Rivers retiring, is he? Uh, I know there's going to be debates. You know, Eli Manning. If you're looking at that draft class, you had Eli Manning. You still got Ben Roethlisberger, and mm-hmm. now Philip Rivers. Is, is Philip Rivers? You think an easy lock for the for the Hall of Fame? You know, I, I don't think so. Um, he, he might get in, but in my mind, and this is where I separate. Uh, Rivers and Eli. I don't mean to sound parochial here because I I covered Eli's entire career when I worked for the New York Daily News, but I just think it's so important for a quarterback to win championships. And I'm not saying it's Phillips' fault that the Chargers and the Colts this year didn't win the championship, and he's been a great player. He's tough. He's a great leader. Um, but you'd like to see that on their resume. And he might be a Hall of Famer. I, I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. I think that Eli has a much better chance simply because he's got those two titles. I mean, think think about this. Eli beat Favre and Rodgers in the playoffs at Lambeau Field, and he beat the Patriots twice in the Super Bowl, once when the Patriots are undefeated. Each time in the Super Bowl, he won the game with a last-minute length of the field drive for the winning touchdown. Uh, although his overall numbers were not elite and his one-loss percentage, he might have finished exactly 500. I can't remember. Uh, you know, so certainly he wasn't one of those guys that was 11-5 and five every season. But, you know, he's won two championships. That's where Rivers, to me, falls short as a no-brainer first ballot Hall of Famer. And he might have to wait a little while. Um, but... You know, five years from now, when you have a chance to really digest his career, maybe my thought process will be different if I'm still on the committee. Mm-hmm. Uh, but right now, I think he's he's kind of a borderline guy. 
Gary Myers, writer of Brady versus Manning, also uh, the the catch. Uh, he's got a, a lot of great books, and also host of the Goat. In his latest episode uh, the, of the episode, the Goat, Tom Brady includes our, our, our good friend of the show, Peter King. Uh, he's also got Al Michaels on there, so you can check it out. Uh, check out the latest episode on on Apple right there too. You know the the Goat topic, Gary, is interesting around here. Because you have people that will argue, well, Aaron Rodgers is the most talented quarterback, so he should be the GOAT. But then you got the other side of, of Tom Brady. He's got all the championships. I've kind of joked around. I'm like, I, I want to develop like an, a, an equation that tells you who the greatest quarterback is of, of all time. I have to imagine you you kind of touched on it there with, with the Hall of Fame and, and, and Super Bowls. Is your deciding factor when it comes to the GOAT, it's all based off of championships? Well, not not – I mean, in the case of Brady, I mean, he's been a great player. He just hasn't won championships, but he, he's been a great player. Is Aaron Rodgers a more talented player than Brady? Yeah, I mean, you have to watch some play. He throws, he throws it better. He's more mobile. He makes more spectacular plays. But, you know, just like Drew Brees, I, I think that Aaron has underachieved in his career when it comes to winning titles. And I, I can't listen to arguments, well, he didn't have this around him, he didn't have that around him. When you look at what Brady did in New England, he didn't have the best supporting cast there either, especially offensively. So uh, I, I don't. I think Aaron is in the conversation as one of the most talented quarterbacks in NFL history. But as far as the GOAT, he doesn't even cross my mind because he's only won one championship. And uh, there's plenty of quarterbacks who've won one championship. I mean, Tom has won six, potentially can win the seventh this year. Um, I, I don't see how anybody can possibly argue that Aaron Rodgers has had a better career than than Tom. Now, Aaron's been spectacular. I'm not selling him short. It's just, like I said earlier, uh, Dan, in, in, my, in my mind, uh, quarterbacks and then coaches also uh, are, the, are the two uh, most important entities on any team and i think they're the ones that you attach the championship records to you can't necessarily say well you know if a, if a linebacker didn't win a championship it, it's a negative mark certainly it helps if they win championships but i just think the coach and the quarterback are the two that are most associated with the one loss record and um you know i i think packer fans have, have to be disappointed at in an in two generations of going from Brett Favre uh, handing off, although reluctantly handing off <laughs> to Aaron Rodgers, that um, since Brett got there in, was it 92 mm -hmm. that Brett got there? And all these years later that the Packers only have two championships to show for two of the great quarterbacks in NFL history. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Gary Myers joining us this morning. Uh, when you look at, you know, I, I know a lot of people like to talk about. When you look at this year, did it finally, you know, answer the question? Was it Belichick or, or was it Brady? Mm -hmm. uh, do you think that th this year is answering that question, or is that kind of like, I mean, two, two totally different stories there? Well, I think that um, if if we were to have guessed before the season whether the Patriots or Bucks would have a better year. I think it was pretty easy to predict that it would be Tampa. I mean, there's just more talent there. Does that mean that um, um, that all the credit in New England now should go to Brady because 
he's done much better without Belichick than Belichick has done without him. I, I think that's a valid argument. I've always, I've answered this question um, fairly consistently this way, Dan. I, I think that Brady needed Belichick at the beginning of his career. First of all, he needed him to draft him and then develop him. And, you know, between Bill and, and Charlie Weiss and some of the other coaches they had in New England at the time, they did a great job with Tom. I mean, geez, he won a Super Bowl in his second season and as the backup quarterback, basically, coming in for Bledsoe early in, early in the year. But then he won three championships in his first four years as a starter. And I thought by um, his second and third year as a starter that it became evident to me that he was a special player. And then as the years that went on, um, he was able to persevere through rosters that you look, you know, with rosters rather, that when you, if you broke it down, there weren't that many players on the New England roster that you would say, well, yeah, I, I wish I had that guy on our team. Um, it's just Belichick relied so much on Brady to make everybody around him better. And so I think over the last 10 years of that relationship that it was definitely more Brady than Belichick. I'd say through the first half of it, it was probably Belichick at the beginning and then maybe 50-50. And then clearly, I thought that Brady was the one that held that team together for the last 10 years. I mean, this guy is still playing at a high level at his uh-huh. age. What have you been most impressed? I mean, how is what's the secret, Gary? How is he still doing? Is it the, is it the TB12 method? I mean, this is this is you got Drew Brees who's probably retiring, Philip Rivers mm-hmm. who's now retiring. Uh, this might be kind of a weird question, but what have you been most impressed impressed about with, with Tom Brady and his longevity? Just you know what I, I think mentally. Um, that his desire to keep playing is is unmatched, really. Um, I, I think it's a grind. And he's, he's done it as long as he has. How he maintains the enthusiasm for working out and, and going to the meetings. And, you know, I think all these guys love Sunday. But it's the rest of the week that can really wear you down. And... Um, so that's what I really am impressed with, I think, first and foremost. And secondly, whatever the TB12 method is, all these quarterbacks should sign up for it. <laughs> I don't know, you know, the workout, the nutrition, uh, maybe having um, warm weather now at the end of his career, I think that's rejuvenated him somewhat because, you know, you guys in Wisconsin, me living in New York, you, you know that months or you go weeks and weeks and tons of months without seeing the sun this time of the year, or at least in New York, you don't. Um, and you, you walk outside and you're, you're bundled up and you just kind of walk fast from your house to your car and then wherever you're going. You know, that, that can wear you down. I've heard Tom talk many times now about how much fun it is to just be wearing shorts in January. Mm. Yeah. I, I think when you get to his age, um, you'd much rather practice outdoors in 72-degree weather than pray that the coach is going to let you practice indoors when it's 15 degrees outside in New England, or he's going to be one of those moves while, you know, fellas, we're playing out, we're playing it in Foxborough Sunday, and it's going to be 20 degrees, so we're practicing outdoors all week. And, you know, th- that stuff, I think, takes a toll mentally and physically on players. And um, so I-, I think he's been kind of rejuvenated physically in, uh, in Tampa. Mm-hmm. Gary, looking at this matchup on Saturday between Brady and, and Rodgers and even the AFC game, if if Patrick Mahomes is cleared to play and going up against Josh Allen, I mean, 
you know, taking a look at this from a from a historical standpoint, I mean, you've got a lot of storylines heading into heading mm-hmm. into this weekend, uh, especially with this Brady versus. Rod- I mean, this is what people I think have have kind of wanted to see in a Super Bowl for the longest time. Well, now with Brady in the in the NFC, this has the makings of of potentially a, a memorable game, doesn't it? Yeah, I think Sunday is going to be really a fun day. I'm hoping Mahomes plays. Um, it seems that there's some positive news coming out of Kansas City this week, but you know he's got to get through the concussion protocol. But I, I think it would be such a shame. I mean, I only want him to play, obviously, if he's healthy. I don't want him to risk anything, and they won't let him. But you know, just a contrast of the two young quarterbacks uh, in the AFC versus you know, a 43-year-old and a 37-year-old in the NFC. I mean, just the contrast between the two games is, is spark. But, yeah, this Green Bay Sunday Sunday night, it's a matchup for the ages and a matchup for the aged. Um, it's pretty cool. Yeah. And they're, they both it, – it's not like you got two guys hanging on. I mean, Aaron had his best season, probably motivated by looking over his shoulder and seeing Jordan Love and wondering what the heck they were thinking. Um <laughs> And, and then Tom just – listen, I, you'd asked the question about Belichick before. I don't think there's any question that Tom is motivated to try to win this without Belichick and give himself a – check the box in that category on it first without the other. Uh, I don't think any question that that's been a, a real motivation for him this season. He'll never, ever admit that. But I mean, he's a competitor. He's heard the conversation for 20 years. First year away from each other, I'm sure to win it. You know that, um, like I said, have that box checked in, in his corner. But I'm really, I'm really looking forward to this game Sunday night. Um, in a way, I, I'm hoping it's really cold and snowing because that's the way it should be when you're playing a championship game in Green Bay. Um, I, I know that Tom can play in it. I know that Aaron can play in it. Uh, I don't know how the rest of the Bucks will react to it. It's not like they all grew up in Florida, but when you spend half a year at least in, in warm weather, then have to walk into a, a stadium with so much tradition and, and it's cold and snowing, uh, that's not the easiest thing to adapt to. So I'm kind of hoping those are the conditions. I want to see how each team plays in it. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it's going to be a really fun game. Gary uh, is the author of Brady versus Manning, also the the catch uh, and also the one book I want to check out from, from yours I haven't had a chance to is uh, My First Coach, uh, mm-hmm. talking about uh, the untold stories of NFL quarterbacks and their dads. Of all of your books that, that you have written, Gary, which one was the most fun for you to to kind of write and research? Wow. I'm going to give you a total cop-out answer to this, okay? <laughs> okay. Um, the, my First Coach was fun for me because – I was inspired to write that book because of the relationship I have with my own son, who's now 25. But um, he was a baseball pitcher, and he was the captain of his baseball team in high school. And um, it, it, I've always had a very good relationship with my son. But I love baseball, even though I've written about football. Uh, I love baseball, and he loved baseball, too, and he, he loved playing it. And I couldn't have ever dreamed about being as good a player as he was. And I got such a kick out of watching him throughout his high school career and, you know, coaching him when he's, when he's, uh, when he's just a kid that he actually gave me the idea, literally gave me the idea for this book. 
you know, based on our relationship. And he said, why don't you do a book on quarterbacks and their dads? And every, every story is, is a different journey. And, um, and I thought it was a great idea. My publisher loved it. And I went and picked out nine or ten quarterbacks that I wanted to find out what their relationship was with their dads. With the Joe Montana chapter, I really dealt more about Joe and his children, his two sons who were high school and college quarterbacks, and having how having you know the Montana name impacted those kids as they tried to create their own path. I'll tell you this really fast story. When those kids were in Pop Warner or whatever, um, they used to have Joe, Joe's wife is Jennifer Wallace, who he met her years and years ago doing a shaving cream commercial. She was a model or an actress. Uh, but in any event, the kids um, had her maiden name on the back of their jerseys rather than Montana hmm. um, because of the pressure of the Montana name and how some coaches used to hold it against them. Um, because they were Joe Montana's kid. You'd think it would work in their favor, but it actually worked against them. So hearing those stories, and the book, I, I wrote the book really for middle school and high school boys and girls and, and their moms and dads. Um, because as I told people, um, I, I think there's a life lesson in every chapter because every situation that I wrote about is different. And I think that um, even though these guys went on to be great players, they were just kids like your kids and my kids. And, um, and the situations these parents were faced with were very similar to just average parents. And so I think this, if you read the book, there's probably a chapter in there that you can really relate to, um, and the circumstances. So that book was really fun for me to, um, to research, but honestly, I love doing all of them. The catch book, which was about Dwight Clark's catch, I covered that game January tenth, nineteen eighty-two, at Candlestick Park, and and I was working in Dallas at the time. And I know you, I'm giving you a really long answer here. <laughs> that's good. But, um, I love it. <laughs> okay, um, that it. I, I that's still the best game I've ever covered, and to be able to go back um, twenty-five years after that game, and. Uh, visit with a lot of the Cowboy players that I got to know really well in my eight years in Dallas and then connect with a lot of the 49er players that I kind of knew casually like Joe and, and Dwight Clark, you know, maybe, may he rest in peace. Um, uh, it was really so much fun and uh, I, I really enjoyed that. And then I obviously, I, I, I loved researching the Brady Manning book. I got to know Tom fairly well um, during that period that I was research, researching the book and I really enjoyed the time that I spent with him. Um, Peyton was a little more difficult, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> but um, and that that's been the most successful of my books as well, as I could have probably predicted. That book had a lot of appeal. It became a Times bestseller. It led to me doing this podcast, and um, I, I love writing books. I mean, it's it's really a lot of fun, and um, um, yeah. So I, I guess the my first coach book. If, if you may pick one, just because of the, the, the personal meaning it had to me, because of my son, as I, as I mentioned to you, um, there was probably more of me in that book emotionally than uh, any of my other books. 
I'm, I, I loved your Brady versus Manning book, so I'm definitely going to have to check out my first coach. I, I've got a three-and-a-half-year-old son, too. In fact, I named him after Don Hudson. Uh, I love football history there. So that is did you name him Don or did you name him Hudson? Hudson. Hudson with the T, too. So, yep. I, I've always... Oh. That, that's that's pretty neat. Yeah, I've always been. I've, uh, I'll tell you this: you know, my dog's name. Not that I'm comparing, but um, I was done having children by the time any of my books came out. But um, we we named our latest dog Brady. Nice. So uh, <laughs> I just happened to like that name. <laughs> I, it just so happened, you know, my book had just come out. So my kids said, let's just name him Brady. It sounds better than naming him Manning. <laughs> <laughs> I, me and my wife were trying to figure out, and I'm like, well, what about Hudson? And she's like, I like that. I'm like, well, what if we switch it out, switch the D out with a T? And she kind of looked at me, and I had to tell her why, and she liked it. So there you yeah. go. <laughs> I, I, I got I, I to gotta ask one more quick thing because sure. I, um, we're pretty close to, to the border here with uh, with Vikings fans and Minnesota Vikings fans, and I know you're you're big on Drew Pearson and, and getting into the Hall of Fame. So I, I got a Vikings fan that's looking at me right now, and he's talking about the Hail Mary and all that. Did Drew Pearson push off? No, he did off? not push off. He did not push off. <laughs> oh, I had to ask. I had to ask because they're, they're still agonizing about that over here too you know I, I do want to tell you this that um i spoke up on drew's behalf yesterday when it was we talked about the senior candidate and what people forget i'm just teasing about the pushing off i think it was a very close call and maybe it would have it would have turned out differently if it was today you know where they seem mm-hmm. to call that a little more often but what people forget about that game is two plays before the hail mary the Cowboys had like a fourth and 16 or 17 on their own 25-yard line. And Stahlbach hit Pearson along the sideline for a first down that was a questionable call as well because Drew went up, and I forget who the defensive back was, but he didn't give him the chance to come down to get his both feet in. You know, Drew was kind of up in the air, and he got knocked out of bounds before he could get both feet in, and they called it a completed catch. And I guess there was a controversy then um, whether or not he would have got both feet down regardless of getting hit by the DB. Um, so not only was it a, you know a, another huge play by the Cowboys, but it was another controversial play. Mm-hmm. So the Vikings came up short on two plays there in the last minute when no flag was thrown. Interesting. Oh, I love I could so talk we, football history all day. Gary, I could do this all day. I like that too. I'm into it also. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, check out his latest podcast episode, The Goat, Tom Brady. Uh, again, he's joined by Al Michaels and, and our good friend. Yeah, that'll be, on this, that'll be posted this afternoon. This afternoon. Um, I can't wait to check it out. In fact, right after I get off the phone with you, Dan, I'm, I'm going into to the studio to tape it. I've already done the interviews with Al and Peter. So we just got to kind of put it all together, and it'll be posted sometime this afternoon. Perfect. I'll have to check it out. Peter's a good friend of ours over here, too, so I always love listening to him uh, talk as well. Gary, I really, really appreciate the time. And, again, I could probably talk with you for hours uh, on this stuff. So I really, really appreciate you taking some time this this, uh, this morning. And uh, uh, best of luck with, with the podcast, too. It's it's awesome. I love it. Well, thanks so much for having me on. I'll just, say, I'll just leave you with this note. Um, my older daughter went to the University of Wisconsin. And I found the people in Wisconsin, I've been to almost every place in this country, uh, you know, just through my football travels. The people in Wisconsin, by far and away, are the nicest people uh, anywhere that I've met in this country. And uh, she really enjoyed her four years in Madison, and we really enjoyed going to visit her. So um, 
Awesome. I'm happy to come on with you and, and talk to the people of Wisconsin. Well, I, we I appreciate those words. And I know we all appreciate those words too, Gary. And we got a badger. You got a badger in the family too. So that's always a good thing. There you go. <laughs> Gary, yep. appreciate the time, and uh, we'll chat with you again soon. All right. Take care. Thanks for having me on. You got it. What's good, sports fans? This is another edition of After Further Review with your favorite common man from Dunn County, Matt Poliak. Welcome. Missed you. It's been a few weeks back now. It's going to be a lightning round today, short and sweet. Starting off with some review of the Packers-Rams. So, after further review, is Jalen Ramsey still the number one cornerback in the NFL? Ah! He is not. Our boy Jair Alexander is the number one corner in the NFL, the island. Three targets for negative three yards with one catch? Can't beat that. Uh, Jalen Ramsey, I've seen better coverage from the general car insurance than I saw out of you uh, against the Packers, bud. And the more important things, we got the Packers, we got the Bucks. NFC Championship game Sunday at La 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 Lambo. Does Aaron Rodgers have four touchdown passes? After further review, absolutely. Aaron Rodgers is going to light up these Tampa Bay Bucks like you've never seen him light up a defense before. This is round two. Uh, an ugly game for Aaron in week six. This is redemption time. He knows what's uh, on the line here. A trip to the Super Bowl. This is legacy. This is this is a chance to rewrite history here and uh, kind of even the score with with Tom Brady. I don't see how Aaron doesn't throw for four touchdowns. You look at uh, how we just rolled over the supposed number one defense uh, from L.A. Now we uh, have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at home, whose defense is not better than L.A.'s defense. And you just got to think, Lazard, hungry. A.J. Dillon, hungry. Robert Tunyon, hungry. Now you'll notice I haven't even mentioned Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones. I suppose you could lump, you know, MVS in somewhere in the middle of those two groups, but there's no way we don't put up 35-plus points on this Buccaneers defense at home, at Lambeau, at our field, with a trip to La- with a trip to uh, the Super Bowl on the line. There's just no way these boys are going to be fired up. I don't know. We might we might see a, a 35 point. I think a 42-point offensive showcase from the Packers. The way the defense has been playing, they get a little soft at times. I have my questions about that. Towards the end of the first half against the Rams, they kind of let them just march right down the field and score. They kind of went into their their hole there. I wasn't real thrilled with that. And then uh, at times in the second half, they kind of went uh, flaccid. So hopefully we don't see much more of that moving forward. Uh, these are pretty potent offenses that we'll be facing from here on out. So hopefully we can tighten that up a bit. Uh, next topic, after further review, are bandwagon fans acceptable? Yes, 
My ruling is yes. After further review, there is no uh, conclusive evidence that says that bandwagon fans at this time of the year are not acceptable. You see a lot of people come out of the woodwork for playoffs, sporting their Packer gear or talking Packers. You haven't heard them uh, talking Packers for a while. I think that's just fine. The more people we can get on the bandwagon, the better. Why would you not want to harness some extra spirit for your team? I'm sure they may not have earned it. However, I feel uh, strength in numbers is the best in this case. In fact, I have uh, one good buddy whose, whose name shall not be mentioned, but it rhymes with Randy who uh, got so into watching the Packers in the playoffs and, uh, well, actually all the NFL games, that he almost bought himself an NFL hat. Not a, not a team hat, an NFL hat. A shield hat, if you will, or a sky piece, as we call them in Dunn County. And uh, you know what? There's nothing wrong with that. If you've got... If you've got the uh, Jones in to watch some football during the playoffs, as long as you support my team, I have no problem with it. So after further review, the ruling on the field stands that uh, bandwagon fans are acceptable at this time of the year. Well, that'll about do it here for after further review. Go Pack Go. Good luck to the boys this weekend at Lambeau Field. Beat the piss out of the Bucks for us. I'd like to see... Uh, our defense wiped that smirk off of Tom Brady's face and finally put to rest this debate we've been having about big games and Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. So uh, go get them, boys. Go Pack Go. We'll see you next time after further review. Out.